Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Ah, love. Exciting and new. Finding one's true love is something that only happens once in a lifetime. Or does it? Inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we meet Eli, a mortician with a hankering for love. But like everything else in this series, there's a catch. This time, the catch is a gorgeous, red-haired someone else's fiance named Lisa. And the rest? Well, you'll have to listen to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast to find out. It's time for another episode featuring the goods, the bads, and an always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This is the Curious Goods Podcast. This time, our review of Season 3, Episode 12. Epitaph for Lonely Souls. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, a quick bit of housekeeping. The veritable time machine of reviewing past content. Inside of the prelude before this capture, you and I were talking about, especially a a series like this that is this old, really does offer to just about everybody that listens to it, especially someone that is of the ages you and I are. Mm -hmm. Just 42-ish. About to turn 42, yeah, early 40s. I've just turned 51. And what this series really does for, I'm thinking everybody, is that it's a time machine. Mm. The the review of things like this and the other things that that we review both via movies and television series and everything else, it allows you a quick snap back to a time that you remember. And the reason you and I were talking about this is that this episode is one of the very first episodes that was issued in the year 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, again, as we record this, it's actually 2021. <laughs> so the, the, the time machine factor of what these reviews offer for all of us is something very, very real. All right, enough of housekeeping. It's time to get to this episode, an incredibly fun one. Our review of Friday the 13th, the series, season three, episode 12. Epitaph. For a lonely soul. Let's get to the retail. A crashing thunderous lightning filled night launches this episode of Friday the 13th series. A portrait of Neville Morton. 
founder of Glenview Mortuaries, is shown in screen. A man lurches into frame. It's the mortician, whose name is Eli. He is caressing the skin and hair of a recently deceased young woman named Lisa. But she's inside a coffin. He quickly snaps a photo of her with a Polaroid camera. He adds that instant photo to an entire album of photos of dead people inside of caskets. And then a doorbell rings. Who could that be on a rainy, lightning-filled night? It's the crushed fiancé of the recently departed Lisa. His name is Steve. Eli affirms that there aren't any answers, but he should always take comfort in the memories that are left behind. Eli then strokes Lisa's cheek strangely. Hmm. Steve apparently has some music that he'd like played at the funeral. And then the doorbell rings again. This place is hopping for a late night, and it's a Tuesday. This time it's a new arrival. It's a kid, some young dude that is a last second motorcycle accident who's scheduled for an open casket funeral viewing tomorrow. And the valet's wondering if good old Eli can get to it tonight. Surely he can. What's this? Also inside the van containing the young man's body is a strange all metal pipe and copper contraption from a different age. This machine was apparently being used on the wife of the founder of the mortuary. You see, the rumor is that old man Morton's wife was actually alive when he used this contraption on her. Very interesting and well, this piece of kit will make an excellent addition to Eli's collection of awesome inside the bowels of the mortuary. Shortly thereafter, inside the embalming chamber, the young man who has been mangled from the motorcycle crash is being prepped. The embalming procedure commences. At the same time, Steve, the fiance, arrives upstairs and is back to deliver the music as he walks by his fiance's casket. Downstairs, as Eli finishes and realizes that the job's not yet done, he chooses to use the new antique machine that he's recently acquired. He attaches the long pointy rod and begins a new procedure. As he attaches the vacuum tube, Steve cracks open the door to witness the blue emblazoned energy pumping out of the obviously cursed item from this episode. And wow, the once dead, horribly mangled from a motorcycle accident young man awakens from the dead and sits upright, screaming. <laughs> Steve flees in horror. The next day, at a very busy, curious good shop, Jack and Mickey are having a party. The antiques dealer's party, that is. The two round the room explaining to each other who people are and detailing what they do and don't like about all of them. One engages them in conversation. It's the new police commissioner who smart-assedly asks Jack if there are any new occult efforts gone going. He also then shares a new story of a young man who apparently saw another dead young man sit up right on the embalming bed down the street at the mortuary. Jack wonders, Well, did you or your men go and check it out? And of course, they have not. If he's not going to do it, well then Jack and Mickey, without Johnny Ventura, who's not in this episode, but that's not important right now, will. Over at the mortuary, the previously dead, horribly mangled young man from a motorcycle accident is being sewn up by Eli. Eli details exactly how the process works. You see, the obviously cursed item from this episode now gives new life to those who have died. 
Eli realizes that he can't let people see the young man in this condition and uses the obviously cursed item from this episode to suck the life out of him. Across town, Jack and Mickey are visiting with the young fiancé, Steve, who saw the body sit up on end last night. The police commissioner, all the police officers, and everyone else inside of this episode that aren't Mickey and Jack think the young man is crazy. Mickey and Jack, however, are ready to go to the mortuary and investigate further. At the mortuary, Eli visits with Lisa, Steve's dead fiancé. He clearly has an affinity for the young woman whom he plans to reanimate. Hmm, who could that be? Oh, hey, it's Jack and Mickey. They're here to see the young man that apparently sat up and was alive last night. <laughs> well, rest assured, he is not. See? Eli shows him that clearly the young man is not alive and explains that... Often, death is an experience that we all fight and deny, but in that emotional state... Our minds can play tricks on us. Speaking of tricks, the tricks are about to come. Jack and Mickey leave perplexed as Eli provides them with a business card. And as they head back to the rolls, the Benz, to return to the Curious Goods Antique Shop. Later that afternoon, at the viewing service, Steve and Eli address Lisa's body for what is supposed to be the last time. There is thick tension in the air. So much tension. As Steve leaves the room, Eli continues to showcase his true love for his dead love interest by pulling the old casket switcheroo. He swaps out the casket with another that looks exactly like it. Later on that day, everyone buries the empty casket, and now Eli has paved the way for new love-ridden, life-ridden roads. That night, in a candlelit room, with some Barry White playing in the background, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eli and the body of Lisa are together tonight. My loneliness will end. As he removes her engagement ring, he then kisses her on her forehead and redresses her and then begins to implement the obviously cursed item for this episode. Her body wriggles and twitches. Then suddenly she opens her eyes and has come back to life. She stares blindly at the ceiling as Eli stares into her soul. He kisses her cheeks. He begins to undress her and then lays her down on his bed. He kisses her mouth. Strangely, she raises her hand and encourages Eli's advances. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Steve has arrived and is wondering how the investigation is progressing. He can't believe that they didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Mickey quickly explains that perhaps he's imagining things, and though he suffered a tremendous loss, he's not in his right mind. He leaves the shop in a rage and plans his next move. Mickey follows closely behind. Meanwhile, the young motorcycle victim's funeral is now going on, and upstairs at the mortuary, Lisa is casually listening to what's going on, and hears the sorrow and pain of those downstairs. Eli goes to visit with her again, and this time, he's brought gifts. Why, it's a new nightgown. As she receives the nightgown, she tries to speak. She says, where am I? She doesn't apparently remember who she is or where she is. And you know what? It's okay, because Eli reassures her that 
Oh, 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 you'll be fine. You, you've been sick, and it's, it's messed with your memory. I'm your husband, and I'm going to take care of you. And your name is Deborah. Deborah, what a cool name! Not her name, but a cool name! Downstairs, the doorbell chimes again in this freaking house of awesome busy, and Eli heads to the front door to see who it is. It's Steve and Mickey who are looking for answers. Upstairs, Lisa Deborah overhears a voice that she's very familiar with. And as the argument escalates, Lisa Deborah stands to the door to hear better. Steve eventually ventures into the embalming chamber and spies his fiance's engagement ring. The argument with Mickey and Eli is continuing to escalate. Eli is now threatening to call the police. Steve pockets his girlfriend's ring and strangely acquiesces out of the room. Hmm. As they arrive back in his car, Steve shows Mickey Lisa's ring. Inside the mortuary, Eli returns upstairs to tend to Lisa Deborah and encourages her to go back to bed. She's surely heard that voice before, but can't place it. Later that night, over at the one Canadian graveyard, Steve's got shovels, picks, and axes, and is digging up the recent grave of his fiance. Lo and behold, there is only a bag of flour to be found. Steve races back to the mortuary and slips in through an open window in the middle of the night. Not safe, just saying. And is snooping and still seeking out the obviously cursed item from this episode or answers to his worst nightmares. And he finds them. Just not the answers he wanted to be sure. He spies a body with familiar hair and lo and behold, it's Lisa. He recognizes her, and as they embrace, Eli walks in the room. Steve, the fiancé, accosts Eli, and as the two meet, Eli uses the obviously cursed item from this episode on Steve, who is now very dead. Over at the Curious Good Shop the next day, Mickey can't get a hold of Steve, and sure hopes that he's okay. Jack and Mickey start discussing it even more, then start referring to a surgical instrument. Hmm... Jack considers a deeper review of the manifest again as Mickey goes to see what's up over at Steve's apartment. In the bowels of the mortuary, Lisa Deborah has migrated downstairs and is beginning to realize what kind of hell she is experiencing. She heads to the basement, where all good things go to die. She finds a crematorium, apparently one that's recently been used. Suddenly, the math starts adding up, and she realizes that Steve, her fiancé, is now ashes, and Eli tries to console her, but she is horribly distraught. You say, I've been so terribly lonely, and, and, and you, you were my chance, but you're, you're ungrateful. You should be grateful to me. I brought you back. You don't need Steve. I'm sure in time you'll learn to love me. But she can't deal with it and runs. Eli grabs her and hauls her into the casket showroom inside the mortuary and encloses her inside of one of the caskets, then locks her in. Her screams and thunderous bangs echo in our collective ears as Eli quickly slips further into madness. Across town, on the phone, via the Curious Good Shop, Jack's ongoing intense research has paid off. An aspirator has been listed inside the manifest. One sold apparently to the founder of the mortuary. <gasps> Jack 
digs in to find out more about the Morton legacy, and Mickey heads to the mortuary, alone, with no one else accompanying her. Back at the mortuary, Eli is reflecting on what he's done, and realizes that he reanimated Lisa Deborah too soon. Too soon? It was too soon. She still, she still remembered. Too soon. Maybe older. In the ground longer. A clean slate. He then returns to his portfolio of the dead. The cacophony of Polaroid photographs of his, quote, customer slash potential love interests and finds <coughs> Linda, two years dead, and heads to the one Canadian graveyard with a hearse and shovels. Mickey, who has now arrived back inside the mortuary, apparently through the same wide open window in the dead of night, is searching for Steve and finds a casket with a young lady's muffled screams coming from inside of it. Mickey opens the casket and finds a very alive Lisa the fiance. Over at the one Canadian graveyard, Eli has found Linda. Hmm, looking not too shabby for two years dead. Mickey calls Jack from the mortuary, and during the conversation, Jack shares the details of the aspirator. Mickey then explains that all hell is breaking loose. You see, Lisa the fiancé is alive, Steve is dead, killed by Eli, and oh, Eli will be on his way back, but right now, he's likely out finding a new bride. Jack is on his way, and tasks Mickey and Lisa with finding the aspirator toot sweet. In the embalming chamber, Mickey and Lisa continue looking for the aspirator. Mickey finds it, along with a thudding lump on the head from Eli. Kerfunk. Later, Mickey awakens strapped to an embalming table. Mickey asks, what are you going to do? Oh, many things. Many wonderful things. Don't worry. It'll all be over soon. I'm going to put the essence of Steve inside of Linda here and awaken her and she'll be more appreciative. She won't have any memories. She'll love me. And maybe I'll call her Deborah too. Deborah, Deborah's a good name. I like Deborah. Eli infuses Steve's life force into Linda. She too awakens. <laughs> Years in the grave will have wiped her mind clean. And she's terribly beautiful. As Eli prepares the aspirator for Mickey, the doorbell rings again inside this crazy busy mortuary. Eli tapes Mickey's mouth shut and goes for the door. Not wanting to wait and to avoid conflict too soon inside this episode, Jack enters the mortuary anyway. And suddenly the lights go dark. Someone turn the lights off. Back on the embalming table, Mickey is able to wriggle a hand towards a scalpel, but she drops it. Curses. Thankfully, she's able to get a hand free and is able to remove the tape from her mouth. Jack continues looking for Mickey inside the darkened mortuary. And just as Jack is about to be aspirated by Eli and the obviously cursed item for this episode, he hears Mickey's screams. In between the screams, Mickey encourages Linda to snap out of it and to help him. Come on, woman! Help! Jack and Eli meet inside the front room, and it's on! Jack is able to easily subdue Eli, but rather than incapacitating Eli, Jack goes to pick locks and do some other things, and then has a second fight with Eli. 
This time, Eli's able to give Jack a thud to the purple heart. And while it looks like it's all over for Jack, Mickey is able to crane Eli over the head. Ow, not a glass jar over my head. Who then falls down a staircase? Ow, not falling down the stairs. And impales himself on the aspirator. Ow, not impaling myself with the aspirator. But then also stumbles into the crematorium pit that ignites his lab coat. Oh, not lighting my lab coat on fire. Ah, And then he becomes a human Molotov cocktail. Oh, no, now I'm a human Molotov cocktail. <laughs> and burns alive. The mortuary begins to go up in flames. And while Mickey is dead set on rescuing both Lisa and Linda, the two strangely living dead girls accept their fiery fate as the mortuary goes up in walls of flame, smoke, and ash. Days later, at the one graveyard in Canada, Mickey is standing over Lisa's again grave. As she and Jack lament, her and Linda's loss, we can all be safe in the knowledge that Jack has reclaimed the aspirator, and it's safely back inside the vault, making the obviously cursed item from this episode recovered. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series has goods and bads. Time to get to the good. The item. Wow. This was cool. Yeah. And I don't remember hearing the word steampunked back then. It was late 90s when I remember hearing it. Yeah. But it is. It looked like it was ripped from the pages of what would be a steampunk magazine someplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super pipey, copper. thick. Thick. Heavy. Just super heavy. Giant. Yeah. Menacing. And... Perfectly placed inside this episode. Oh yeah, it was unwieldy. You mm-hmm. you you couldn't really do anything with it appropriately because it the size. Right, and that made it super appropriate inside this episode. I loved it. And that might have been the only whoopsie daisy moment that I might have had with the storytelling is you know early on when Eli decides, oh you know well, I'm gonna try this old thing out and see if it still works. Ah, why would you do that? And of course, you know, the answer is, well, if he doesn't do it, we've got no story. So I get why he did it. But uh, for somebody who was collected, who was who wanted it because he was a collector of of old mortuary memorabilia. I don't know if using it would have been such a smart move on, uh, you know, its value. But it's definitely one of those 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 things and the, the idea of of embalming is you know creepy enough you know right. it's a giant mm-hmm. freaking needle that's yeah. inserted in you to suck all of the liquid out of yeah. you this thing here looks like something out of a a medieval torture chamber yeah it, it looks like a liquid jackhammer whatever yeah. you put yeah. it in it's going to jackhammer whatever out of it i mean it was perfect it yeah. really was perfect the other thing i liked here too is that the reason that the item is used is because of a piece of cadence inside of what happens with the mortician mm-hmm. i.e the embalming process was not quite quote complete enough right and you can see him inspecting the body to detect the lumps of liquid stuff that's still inside the body again it it speaks to the validity of what we're seeing here and while many of the things that we saw were obviously special effects and not, quote, real, it lends itself to the realism of what's going on. Mm. I, I, I loved all of that inside this episode. The pace. Nick and I talk about it forever inside of just about every other 
property that we've ever reviewed. And when pace is on point, man, it 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 covers up just about everything. Mm-hmm. But what it also does is it makes essentially a, a grease gun for everything else that's featured inside the episode, especially when there's some really good storytelling that's involved. Right. And so you really do get the, a great pace sandwich inside this episode. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah, it doesn't let up. There's not a lot of time relentless. for... Relentless, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. and it's not it's not the, the painful relentless, like mm-hmm. it's co- constantly pounding at you. Mm-hmm. The story just keeps moving. Mm-hmm. It does not slow down to go, well, let's think about it. Even even in the slow moments, it's still fast enough storytelling that we don't linger on a scene too long. We keep moving. I also like that there aren't any terribly inappropriate jump scare moments that instantly jump off my mind inside this episode. Right. There, there's, there's kind of an accidental one when Jack and Eli are... Uh, confronting each other mm. later inside the episode, but it's not the and the camera's panning left and now oh my god it's Eli right it's nothing like that at all it's just you kind of see him in in shadow across as Jack walks and mm. it's it's kind of the ooh moment rather than a <gasps> and, and I appreciate that uh, the the whole jump scare thing is what almost instantly takes me out of just about everything that is horror and so I appreciated they didn't bother levying that here. The creepy creep factor of Eli. This was a tremendous performance. <laughs> Everybody else was here acting. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. This, but this I is... got to give it to the guy that was Eli. And oh, yeah. This. Just... This, this was one of those that uh, it wasn't over the top. Mm-hmm. It progressively escalated yeah. the insanity. Mm-hmm. And it never felt forced. Forced is a good word. And especially when we're talking about necrophilia here, we're, we're talking about something very, very dark. Right, and, yeah. And and to not paint that inside of the, the conical cone of comedy, like our retail did, yeah. is very, very difficult inside of a series that mm-hmm. is not funny. There's, there is no har-har that's levied inside of this series in general. Mm-hmm. And so finding that dance where it can be offered and captured on screen... Kudos to the creative staff, but most importantly to the actor that was Eli inside this episode. Yeah, this is just super tremendous. This, this everybody was on point in this episode. Yeah. There was not a bad performance here. Yeah. Well, well, okay. We, we might we'll we'll get to some bad performances later on. Right. Those are all the goods that we had inside this episode. I'm curious. What you thought was good about this episode. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, comes with its goods and its bads. We've taken a look at the goods. Now let's take a look at the not-so-goods. Breathing corpse? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're talking about the acting that wasn't so stellar. And when I (laughs) say acting, I mean, hold your breath, man. So the mangled uh, young kid who uh, died of the motorcycle accident mm-hmm. uh, had apparently died from the right. Motorcycle I mean, accident. you can clearly see his chest rising and falling <laughs> in that ep- in that uh, the, that scene as the uh, the prepping is is being per- being portrayed mm-hmm. by Eli. And I'm like, uh, okay. Isn't I it mean, funny how little things like that take you completely out of the moment? Too? Yeah. 
but I mean, but I've, then again, you also you're also looking for little things like that. Yeah. It's like okay, well, let's see how 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 well this actor is going to be the dead body. Yeah, and sometimes the camera is smart enough, or at least where the editing is concerned, is you just you stay on the body long enough to get that good shot of no movement, and then you get away. Yeah, and this yeah. obvious this that that was not the case here. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, that's that's why we are picking on this this poor actor who could not hold his breath long enough to uh, establish the fact that you dead, you not supposed to be breathing yet. You'll you'll be alive in a little bit, then you can take in a breath. Yeah. Unlocked windows in the dead of night. In a business, in a mortuary, on a. Looks Middle like well-traveled street. streets. <laughs> I... One of the things I want to emphasize as we get into our second quote bad inside this episode right. is that Nick and I decidedly had to dig for mm. bads inside oh, yeah. this episode. So the, I know those of you are going, I can't believe that they're whining about a breathing body. Really? Well, it's because uh, then we wouldn't have any bads, now would we? You're right. If we weren't picking on the breathing dead body. Right, or the unlocked windows. But unfortunately, the unlocked window is not used once here. It's used twice. <laughs> and we may even assume, and I, I, I would like to think that Jack, oh, Jack is still spry enough to go, oh, look, an open window. <laughs> and crawls through it, and we just didn't see it. That's but awesome. But I feel like he would have used his locked picking <laughs> skills. Although, why he would... Oh man! Why he would ring the doorbell when nefarious? When yeah. when he's trying mm. to sneak in? See, I I get that the doorbell ring was the only thing that stopped Eli from Killing. stabbing right. Mickey. Mm -hmm. But then again, if I'm Eli and you know this is my place of business and I can do what I want, uh, that doorbell wouldn't have stopped me. I would have I would have punctured her anyway, gotten the job done, and then taken care of the doorbell. Right. Now, and, and hey, how about about hours of this place? <laughs> when right. is this place actually closed? Yeah, because middle it's of the like night, like a Seven Eleven, right? Seven Eleven, <laughs> not quite the Slurpee I'm looking for, I think. Not going all in on the corpse bride angle. What I mean here is, I was really hoping that when Eli dug up uh, Linda. Two years in the grave, I get that, you know, embalming a body is supposed to preserve it and make it look nice, but that doesn't last forever. Mm -hmm. And I was expecting a little bit more decomposition on Linda. Linda uh, was still pretty hot. Not necessarily saying I wanted, you know, something withered like from Thriller or Return of the Living Dead or anything like that, but I was figuring I'd, it, we'd get something a little bit more and... Eli's insanity would have migrated to where it needed to be. Right, right because he could have fixed her up as well. Mm, mm, it's like, oh, mm. yes, no, no, I, everything's fine. Yeah, and then you go back to kind of semi-spackle woman. Right, right. Yeah, but, but when you in, when he injects her, she's still kind of not all great looking. Yeah. But I can make her look better. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And I was really hoping mm. to get that because that would really be pushing that necrophilia envelope yeah. without saying, yeah, he's going to fuck this corpse. Because <laughs> yeah. let, let's be honest, that's what he plans on doing. Yeah, oh, sure. Why he not? doesn't want to be alone, but but it's not just I want a companion. It's like somebody I want to, you know, with. So we're not pretending that that wasn't going to happen eventually had he not been stopped in the horrible way that he deserved to be stopped. Correct. 
But I really wanted, I, I was hoping for something a little bit more edgier. And I understand it, you know, it's now it's the early 90s and budget and everything. And I'm glad for what we got. But man, wouldn't it have been cool if it was just a little bit more disgusting? Those are the things that we thought were bad inside of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. But we want to know what you thought could have used a little bit of spit and polish. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the web form, and tell us what you thought was bad. We've got to take a break during this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore, all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com This is John D. LeMay, and you're listening to the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Kids Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 12. Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. Every time we come back from break, it's time to unveil our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I either focus on an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside this episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Well, for me, in this episode, my manifest moment has got to be the misdirect on our main characters. Mm. I love how they're introduced to the concept of the mystery during a party from some random character. Yeah, I dig that. And they go to investigate and, oh, dead end. It's a grieving fiancé who's, who's, you know. Overwrought. He's, he's overwrought mm -hmm. and he's imagining mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And they write it off as that. Mm -hmm. And Jack's ready to just, eh, all right, going, going to go back and check my books and do things. <laughs> and Mickey is the only one who kind of feels bad for Steve and wants to help kind of put his mind at ease mm -hmm. so she gets wrapped up in this adventure just to placate him mm -hmm. why i don't know i mean the guy just lost his fiance i don't know if mickey's you know sniffing around i mean steve was a, a pretty good looking guy had a job probably a catch but that's not important right now 
and it's not until later that, oh, crap, maybe there is something afoot here. Mm-hmm. And they they dive into, okay, well, let's take another look. And that is my manifest moment. Yeah, I think that's a great one. I, I, of the many things inside this episode that trip my trigger, there's actually two I want to focus on here. The first one is the effects. I loved everything I saw here. Mm-hmm. I, I thought everything was terribly appropriate. And again, to 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 kind of jump on to the progression of where it didn't go was nothing was gross. I wasn't I wasn't like, wow, look at the gross. Well, right, yeah. Inside of any of this. And when we talk about embalming, I mean it could get pretty gross pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that's showcased here where you're instantly stomach overturned and you can't continue watching or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciated that. Um, having a throttle on things like that is something I think is a craft. And they obviously were able to find a very happy median here that I wish other movies would find. Because I think it's very easy nowadays to just jump in with both feet and suddenly, hey, look, guts and elbows and tongues and all kinds of other shit all over the place. Mm-hmm. My second bonus manifest moment here is pathos for someone other than the heroes. More often than not, inside the series, we're introduced to... We, we meet our heroes, and then there's an item, and then on the way to the end where the item is recovered, there are then some people that are introduced mm-hmm. that very often, for lack of a better term, are used as pawns to storytelling. One, I didn't feel that with any of the people that were featured as the what are usually pawns inside of this story. This was a story, and as you stated, our characters are infused into it. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. I think that this this chemistry set formula that was showcased inside this episode is a winner. Yeah. And again, I'm not asking that the Curious Good Shop need have a party every other week to foster <laughs> along what's going on. But I enjoy this where things are just busy. Life is busy. And that other things can go on and then this kind of thing still happens. I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. I also like the, I guess this is the, the triple the triple threat here. Wow. Is that it's the accidental bonus item because that was never on radar. There was nothing on radar at all about the aspirator. Now, eventually, when they dug, they were able to tether it, but it wasn't anywhere on radar. It just, whoop, here it is, shows up. Mm-hmm. And I dug that a lot also. I think that that helped the pace of the episode incredibly. And those are my triple threat bonus manifest moments. We're curious, what was your manifest moment for this episode? Let us know by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. The vocabulary. The words that make Nick and Mike brain go round inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. The first one is... Mortician. Mortician. Got a very interesting definition and or job description from our friends over at BetterTeam.com. It's time to learn why and about the key requirements, duties, responsibilities, and skills that should be in a mortician job description. They include preparing deceased people for wakes, funerals, and interment by embalming, dressing, cosmetically enhancing, and casketing them and casketing them. In smaller funeral homes, a funeral director who owns or manages a funeral home 
performs the duties of a mortician, also known as an embalmer or undertaker. Our second word inside this episode is... Aspirator. An aspirator. It's listed as an instrument or apparatus for aspirating fluid from a vessel or cavity. A medical aspirator is a suction machine used to remove mucus, blood, and other bodily fluids from a patient and or corpse. What vocabulary struck you from this episode? Let us know what you think. Again, by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what vocabulary was conjured during your viewing of this episode. Episode Rating. It's time for the rating of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. An excellent story. Added as an excellent episode inside of an excellent series. A 1 is on the bottom of the heap. Having the life force sucked out of you to be injected into a corpse bride. Everything starts as a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? There are a lot of shades to quite a few 80s, late 80s, mid 80s horror films Mm -hmm. that I felt were reflected inside this episode. Mm. Uh, You got a little, little bit of reanimator. You got mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, Return of the Living Dead with mm-hmm. uh, with the crematorium thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Even there is something about the character of Eli, and and we meant you mentioned it in your manifest moments, the ability to sympathize with your antagonist because he's the bad guy. He he is the bad guy, mm-hmm. but at first he's he, he didn't kill anybody. In the beginning, and he was lonely, and he brought somebody back to life that uh, everybody thought was gone. And one could try to defend early episode Eli as going, "Oh well, you you found this nice little loophole, and you've brought somebody back to life." If she didn't have any memory, but it turns out Mike is giving me a strange look that I'm trying to defend <laughs> Eli. Yeah. I'm not even trying to defend Eli. I'm saying I understand (laughs) Eli. Okay. Because we've all been lonely at some point in time. Maybe not lonely enough to (laughs) reanimate a corpse. corpse. Not Not bang a corpse. We I am going to be under I want to make this perfectly clear. (laughs) No, I want to make this perfectly clear. I do not believe that Eli ever fucked a corpse before he got the cursed item. He was just a lonely man who his life was nothing but his work. I don't believe that he was a pervert. He was just somebody who was very lonely. Then this opportunity to be able to take what has been not necessarily maybe discarded, but forgotten, lost, left to the side because of, well, it's dead. I have the ability to bring it back. Is that the right thing to do? No, but I can understand it. And then I can also understand how that, the ability, given that being given that ability, then takes you down that road to madness, which we got from this character. He was a little odd, a little strange, and maybe slightly creepy, but
but he didn't see he was also harmless in the beginning not so much by the end of this episode and he gets what he deserves and that's a great another great thing about this series is yeah consequences right without question the people who play around with the cursed items usually not always but usually get their comeuppance so for me that angle totally elevates this to the higher echelon of episodes for this series and that's why i'm rating this a 10 i i I agree with everything that you just said asterisk I'm sad. It's sad that I had to explain myself. It's also something that may as well make it the quadruple threat inside of my manifest moments because we neither of us mentioned it because I thought you were going to blow me out of the water and mention it. Eli's demise inside of this is easily one of the best pieces of delicious storytelling inside this entire series. There's no question. The the, the chain of doom. That awaits the man that needs to get love from loving from a corpse is so delicious inside of this that it is it can hardly be described. Well, I, I can remember typing it up inside of the inside <laughs> of the retail for this. Right. And I'm like, I can't type fast enough to enjoy this enough. <laughs> it was awesome. It was it was simply awesome. We, we always talk about how things started at seven. And this just continued to bolster on so many different things. Uh, for those that don't know and either don't care, Nick and I reviewed the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, on, on ABC for all of their episodes. And what we always found inside that show, especially as it ebbed and then, and then finished, was that we didn't have numbers appropriate accordingly enough inside of the scale for any of those episodes, really. Mm-hmm. And I would equate this episode to that as well, where it's instantly a 10. And it's instantly a 10 because we don't have another number above 10. This is an episode that I would turn anybody on to understand the realm of what this show is about, even though Johnny Ventura is nowhere to be found inside this episode. Mm -hmm. It didn't make any difference at all because all of the hallmarks of the program are here. Mm, There is obviously a cursed item. There is the sage research and solution implementation by whomever might be our duo, in this case duo, to solve the mystery, there is at least one bad guy, and then a series of unfortunate incidents on which the bad guys, our heroes, and the cursed item interact. Period. And this is a perfect showcase of all of those things, paced wonderfully, great special effects, and nonstop storytelling that I love. And that's where we ask you, what did you think of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 3, Episode 12? Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. Let us know what you think again by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you thought. Mike, I got to tell you, I'm, I I don't know how to do a cheeky push to close for this particular episode without reverting to a very sophomoric level of humor and doing necrophilia jokes. Mm. I mean, what do you think? Do you think we should stoop to that level? I think we're better than that, don't oh, you? Oh, I think we're definitely better than that. Right. We're, we are better than bad necrophilia jokes. Let's just end the show then. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. And remember, kids, children shouldn't play with dead things. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. 
We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Anyway, I wanted to mention that, and thanks to Nick for no engaging conversation of any kind. We've got plenty of engaging conversation <laughs> coming up during okay. this retail revisit <laughs> and always educational review of Friday the 13th, the series. Good. That's good and crushing for my soul. Thank you. Good. Steve Lee's in horror! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he leaves a Steve-shaped hole in the wall of the mortuary. <laughs>